who is one of our designers uh, for this year. Um, she's designed an absolutely beautiful garden um, in the pavilion for a charity called Mothers for Mothers, Bristol-based um, postnatal support charity. Um, and Chris Marchant, who for many years with her husband Toby ran a nursery called Orchard Dean, um, but since closing that has been an, an incredible um, gardens plant specialist <laughs> consultant for many designers um, and design teams. And this year has been one of the Project Giving Back mentors. And we hope will continue in her role as mentor. So you probably will, will see a lot, of Chris, uh, a lot from Chris. So um, this session really is about um, hearing from, from Polly and from Chris about the importance of um, working with nurseries from the beginning as part of your team. I think that's this we've just been discussing. I think that's the sort of overall general ethos of that. So I don't know, Polly, if you want to kick off with a sort of very basic, how did you choose the nurseries that you worked with this year? How did you go about that? Um, so I knew fairly early on that I wanted to work with Form. I wanted to be in a safe pair of hands and I knew that Form had done a lot of show gardens uh, and Jamie's very on it and knows exactly how it works. And being my first time at Chelsea, it felt like I needed someone that definitely knew how it all worked. So I knew that I'd be safe there. And then I worked with two specialist nurseries for very niche plants that I wanted because that was part of the all about plants category was trying to make sure that we use some specialist nurseries. And what I did, because the nurseries were quite small, it was an iris one and a peony one, is I actually sourced the plants from these specialist nurseries and form grew them. Just because these nurseries were so small and they did not have the appetite to contract grow for Chelsea. So they said, we will supply you and then form can grow it for us. And that actually worked really well for me. And I guess going on from that, so in, in your experience of doing that, and maybe Chris, you can talk a little bit about this, but what does make for a great <coughs> partnership between a designer and a nursery? And I suppose from your experience, this goes beyond Chelsea, just more generally about, you know, designers are constantly um, finding nurseries or forming relationships with the nurseries, but what makes for a great partnership? What do you look for? I think um, with any with any partnership, and any Chelsea garden is a collaborative process. You have a team, no one person can do it. You are trying to build that sense of a team spirit. You need to involve all parties that are going to contribute to your garden and engender that feeling of this is our mission. Um, talking to nurseries early, get them to like you. Ah. <laughs> okay, so shall I, um, yeah. you say you can't hear me? I can't hear you very well. Okay, I'll try and raise my voice, I beg your pardon. So you, you need to um, get to know the nursery, get, you, get down to the nursery and let them see your face. Respect them. I mean, most nurseries are incredibly hard-working people and pr producing plants for a show garden is one element in their working year. It is an important element and you want them to work hard for you. So try and get them to like you, understand things from their <laughs> point of view. Um, and they will try and understand things from your point of view. So give them the vision, tell them the story about your charity. Um, nursery people are human beings and they will be as animated and excited by a good cause as you are and you want to harness that energy and that good spirit into growing the plants. But it is, um, 
it's a journey and we were just saying that for sort of seven months of the journey not an awful lot happens because the plants you know if you've sourced them they're sitting there um, they don't start growing really importantly until about the end of February so from maybe the end of October until the end of February you're thinking there's just a lot of large pots what's happening um, and then all of a sudden the last two months Polly are when everything starts to to happen and that's when you need to make regular visits um, and, and what are you looking for at that point so I mean that timeline seems it seems like a long time doesn't it I mean many people here are not necessarily going to know that they're definitely allocated space <coughs> until late summer you know right. late August early September but are we saying that f almost before then you need to have spoken even tentatively to nurseries about the possibility would you say I mean did you yes I mean we found out quite late in the year I think it was sort of September October so uh, I would really recommend that you start putting feelers out straight away and you don't have to go for the the big name nursery have a have a think you've got two options you can go for one of the big names that you know has done a lot of show gardens but they'll be doing a lot of other show gardens and you need to decide if you want to be one of many or one of few and there are many great nurseries that will will contract great for Chelsea so there are choices to be made and it's worth putting feelers out seeing which one seems as Chris said excited about your project and who will make space for you as well so I don't really think you can reach out early enough and then when you get to that final crucial two months what are you looking for when you're making those visits back and forward to the nursery? What are you looking for at that point? Um, you're looking for a plant that will have the strength and height to have a presence on your garden. Um, what you don't want is for a plant that's been forced and pushed um, to flower out of season. Um, really what you can do now this year is go around the show and look at the sort of plants that are healthy and flowering and looking good now because that will inform the sort of choices you make um, it, it isn't a good idea to choose a plant that naturally flowers in August and they say then say well if we heat it and stress it enough we might get it into flower because those plants never look right in you you might possibly get a flower on a plant if you've pushed it but it will also look stressed and it will not be giving of its best so build up your your vision as, as designers of what is going to look good at this time of year there will always be a bit of variance on a season but if you look at your nursery I think um, what you're looking for is evidence of system and um, order and good plant husbandry so have they got good records? Are they separating plants? Do they have um, regular patrols for plant health? That sort of thing. Because if plants go down with a disease, it can go through a, a whole crop quite quickly. So you want the nursery you're using to be vigilant, to be attentive, to be um, well-versed in plant diseases and problems. So they will, they'll be the ones that let you know if there might be a problem on a plant and should we have a backup. That's when you go down to the nursery and say, yeah, well, well let's get a backup just in case this plant doesn't work. But um, there is never just one plant that will do what you have to do in the garden. There is always going to be an option um, if, as a backup. So go and have a look at what else the, the nursery has. Um, 
and give yourself that relaxation of thinking, I'm not 100% invested in that one plant. I've got other options. And often when you get to the show, you make, you make different decisions, don't you? Um, I mean, did you? did you? Did you get there and think, uh, you had a vision that, I mean, either that particular corner, you knew how you wanted that corner to look, but when you, when you got there, you decided to do it completely differently, or did you pretty much stick to your plan? Yeah, I would say my plant list on my brochure is only about 60% accurate, because the plants arrived. And um, actually, interestingly, in the pavilion, a lot of my plants arrived, and the light is different in there, and certain plants came in, and the, because of the filtered light, they're much flatter in colour, and it wasn't until I'd seen them indoors, which why would you if you're in a nursery, that I realised they just weren't going to work. So there were a lot of last minute changes. Sometimes things arrive, even with the best care, with mildew or um, aren't big enough or just don't work. So there's absolutely no point being too precious with your plants because you will have to change them. And I really couldn't advise you enough do not choose a late leafing tree. I made a huge <laughs> mistake of choosing one of the latest leafing trees out there. And you could just do without the stress. So do your homework, walk around the show, look at what trees are in leaf, which, what's looking good, because you just don't need the worry of wondering if something is going to be looking good at the time. So just, it's worth asking, looking at old plant lists, get everyone's plant brochures and have a look and see what they've got. And that will tell you what's gonna be good and, and what might not be good. And just as, a, as, as I know that this is, you know, you can't sort of put a number on it, but I suppose as a, as a garden designer working for clients outside of a flower show, you have a kind of ratio per square, me square metre of the type of, you know, the number of plants that you might be planting. Obviously at Chelsea, it's a, a sort of false environment in a way. You're, you're probably packing a lot more into that square metre. So as a guide for your garden, what, how many plants did you end up having delivered? having delivered <laughs> far too many um i think there are 1500 plants in the garden okay. there's about 25 per square meter I yeah think. that would sound about, about right, right isn't it yeah. but you have to over order in case you, have to you, want, you want a choice when you're when you're putting them in yes and the nursery i worked with had backup after backup as well so we'd have this is the ideal i don't know i didn't use astrantia but let's pretend i did astrantia this is the backup astrantia and this is the thing we'll use if neither of the astrantias work so it's worth having those conversations as, as chris said about what those backups will be if for whatever reason you have a very hot march and everything goes over and you you need a, a plan b and then a c and a d but i think um from what polly has said it, it sort of describes the, the need for a good matrix of reliable plants. You can't have every plant in your garden a diva. So get yourself a good matrix of reliable, um, hardworking, beautiful plants. But um, then you have your absolute beauties. And those might change. Those are the sort of the varying factors. And you might have a beauty number one and a beauty number two sometimes even a beauty number three. Um, but they can be exchanged in and work hard for you to give that special effect. Um, I also think that I, I wanted to put in a plea for different plant sizes. Don't believe that every plant in your garden has to be pumped up to a giant size because actually what you're trying to create in these gardens is atmosphere and charm. There's a narrative to your garden message. It is actually quite hard to create really meaningful gardens if every plant is in a five, ten litre pot. 
you need, like in nature, to have major players, minor transitions, um, evidence of things that are yet to come. Um, and I think we have moved into a, a very happy situation where the RHS don't require everything in your garden to be in flower. You are quite within your rights to use plants that are not in flower but are making some useful or valid contribution to your design. Get some of those in because that takes your stress level down and you know I've got this, this broad matrix that I can rely on and then you have your worrying ones, mm. the and roses. I and I suppose for, I mean, all of the project giving back gardens have a relocation plan. So Chelsea is this stop off, isn't it, for these yeah. gardens? I mean, there will be a certain amount of redesign from the plant list perspective for it when it goes on to its sort of end location, because you're going to want a year round flowering spread. You're going to want year round interest. But is it worth designers thinking about that at this stage? And having within the Chelsea palette some of those plants which are going to give you later interest, or would you suggest on the whole you stick to what's looking good in May? I think it's a space thing, isn't mm. it, really? Mm. Um, you are trying to achieve a big, um, a big success story in quite a small space, and so therefore you can't have too many uh, things that are going to flower in the autumn unless they have other merits. I mean, a lot of plants have multiple merit, don't they? So in your garden, you were using things that deliberately were not in flower, but had something later. Yes, and, and something I keep hearing over and over again at various talks from the judges is it shouldn't be flower arranging. Um, so, and it's the shrubs which are often neglected and uh, can, can lose your points. So it's a case of making sure that you include enough structure that it will look good year round. It might not be flowering and, and quite so exciting at other times of year, but enough structure that it can carry itself as a, as a feasible garden, not just in May. Yeah, I think you can actually now, with designers, you, can, um, you could pare your visuals down to just having your structural plants and then examining it and saying, does this work? Are the proportions right? Do the spaces sing? And then it can only get better when you add the flowering detail. So if you've got a strong architectural framework, then the rest will follow. But get that architectural framework right. So those are the things you want to invest um, money and effort in larger pots, I think, those architectural framework pieces. Do you feel there are any kind of really kind of impactful good doers, so things that you can absolutely rely on, plants that you see again and again and again at Chelsea because they are, no matter what, going to be looking good in May? Or is, does it really, really depend on the year? Does it depend on how early spring has come? Or I mean, I, I'm trying to sort of avoid yeah. the, the, the trend thing because I know that hopefully we've kind of moved on from trying to second guess what the plant of the show is going to be. But inevitably, you kind of see the same plant as you go around. Oh, that lupin is popping up again and again, or that um, salvia just happens to be looking really good. Well, it's a flower show, isn't it? And then you are, you, people are looking for beautiful flowers, but you want people to stop at your stand. You want to turn heads and arrest attention. You can't just have um, the same type of plants time and time again. It, it is, it is reaching out and striving 
for something new, not everything new, and yes, there are some really reliable things that you can turn to. We all see the geums, we all see um, the polymoniums, and we see the lupins, and we see the irises, and they're all very glamorous and lovely. So you need a bit of glamour, but you also need some sensitivity and small detailing and those things. Um, it pays to do a bit of research and get something new because that could be the hook on which you hang some of your media and press attention and story. Um, so yeah, I think you need to s reach out for more unusual stuff. Yeah, I would agree. Most of the press early on was asking what the plants are you're using and to have some that aren't the staple that they would expect is going to get you more attention than, than using the same things you see every year. And I would also say in terms of good doers, ironically the good doers have actually been the filler plants, the grasses, the ferns, the things which you might not get very excited about but which will make the beautiful diva plants sing. And so I think it's worth spending a lot of time thinking about that and making sure you have enough because I'm not sure you can ever have enough filler plants. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're looking at your garden now, I mean, it's settled in. It's been there, you know, it's been there a, a few days. Let's uh, say so it must feel like a lot longer than that. But are you looking at it now with fresh eyes? Are, are you able to stand back as the designer of that plant palette and spot things that you are so pleased you have in there because your eye is drawn to them? Or are you also, do you look at it and think, I probably should have used a different grass there, or I probably should have, I mean, it, how, how, are you, how are you viewing your garden now? Um, I'm just hoping it holds on, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, uh, I went full diva and went with things like irises and roses, which, um, you know, it, in the pavilion, they're getting a bit sweaty and a bit tired. Um, so really big lessons learned in choosing flowers that have a long flowering time because you want it to look good for the whole show, not just for judging day. So I'm looking at it thinking, I'm really glad I've got those divas because those are the ones which everyone's asking about. And it's worth having those singy plants because the same plants being asked about over and over again. Um, but again, as I said, it's actually that the structure and the framework that I'm really grateful for. Um, but it's a valuable lesson learned to make sure what you choose is going to be able to withstand some very weird weather like this week mm. with the downpours mm. and well, it's also worth talking a little bit about you building in the pavilion and those yeah. plants having to hold up in the pavilion, as you say. Yeah. So although the lighting has changed this year, so the lighting is, is better, I would say, for those plants, yeah. you've still got a little bit of reach. You know, they know that they're indoors and you have the added sort of slight stress of it being very dusty. Very so dusty. even before <laughs> visitors arrive, you have this sort of constant dust that's being kicked up. Um, but as soon as visitors, and it, when it pours, like it did the other day, the pavilion gets very full very quickly. And at that point, there's a lot of dust being pick, kicked up, isn't there? And your garden just slowly gets filthy. completely <laughs> covered in this dust. Mm. So I don't know whether, <laughs> is there anything that, that you can do to, to kind of help that? Or have you just decided just to kind of go, do you know what? I've got to live with it. Uh, well, I've been trying to spritz it, and I saw poor old Charlie's team today were buffing all of the uh, the big the big leaves. <laughs> well, I suppose if it is a big leaf, especially a big glossy leaf, then you can do that. But yeah, it's, I mean, the, it's the hairier ones, which are an absolute nightmare yeah. trying to get the dust out of them. Um, but no, I don't think there is anything can be done. Just um, 
make sure your garden is okay getting wet, don't use concrete paths. It's impossible trying to get the, the dry, <laughs> get them dry in time for the visitors. Um, it's, uh, the humidity has been interesting actually as well. Some of the some of the plants don't like the kind of slightly. It's the iris and the roses seem to be struggling a little bit with when those big influxes of people mm. and it gets very humid in there. So it's uh, it's been a real learning curve on, on planting inside. Yeah. But I suppose now it'd be great to, to know if anybody has any questions, um, specifically for Chris um, or, or Polly. So, yeah, go for it. Um, just a question about um, over-ordering and whether nurseries are happy to take back on sale or return and whether that's a, a suggested practice or whether you should be budgeting to buy way too many plants and then deal with that later and what was your experience um it's definitely a conversation to have because each each of the exhibitors have different experience of that in my group um some of us had an agreement of sort of we could send back what we don't use some of us it's what arrives is what you pay for so it's it's a conversation to be had with the nursery I think it, it's definitely an individual thing. Um, I think over-ordering too much is, is not helpful because, and also certainly over, having over-delivered um, too many plants is not helpful. You should be tapering down your final order based on your visits to the nursery. Mm. So that is why going to see the nursery a week or so in advance and, and what people increasingly do now is they go to the nursery with um, a scaled site plan and start coming up with their cameo combinations on the nursery site. If the nursery has got a little bit of spare ground, they'll be happy to accommodate you. And that's where you start really alighting on those beautiful combinations that will be specific to the plants that have worked uh, at that time. So some things you might have thought were going to be a marvellous combination, you can't use because the iris went over or the Anjusa isn't going to do it. So you have to come up with something else. And doing that, making those decisions ahead of time, is so much better than waiting till it's delivered and then thinking, crumbs, I've got my planting team coming in six hours and I need to have a plan. Um, get the planting team involved in that discussion at the nursery as well. And that way you can, you can avoid having too many surplus plants. You can actually target down to what you're going to need, the spacing that you're going to need to use them at. 25 or whatever it is, plants per square meter is a huge number and you won't get 25 in per square meter. If you're having some shrubs and so on, you might only get one shrub to the square meter. But, but having combinations worked out and spaced ahead of time, it might inform you as to how many you end up with. And that goes back to planning, doesn't it? You can't planning. do enough planning. And yeah. it might seem tedious to try and sort of figure it all out, but it will pay dividends when you get there. And you, you've already got a sort of idea in your head of how it's all going to fit together. Yeah, believe me, planning ahead of time is a lot better than planning when on the everything hoof. on the hoof, <laughs> when everything's arrived. So. Yeah, Tom, at the back. I have a question for both of you. What do you think plants in pots or plants out in pots? Mm. You go first. Well. <laughs> Planting in pots, you, you try and plant as much as you can in the pots um, because you are going to be re-siting um, the garden later. And from a dismantling point of view, it is very difficult to lift out plants that have no pot. 
Um, you are keeping them clean because you don't want them to be, um, if you've taken them out of the pots, in mm. contact with mm. the ghastly um, Chelsea show site soil. Um, but there will be tricky corners in your planting design where you can't snuggle the pot in against the, the paving without it showing. What you're really not allowed to do is to show your pot rims at Chelsea. So there are little tricks that one gets used to, like um, you need your plant to be high in its pot so you don't get that normal lip of the compost is an inch lower than the top of the pot. Now you can't, you could either earth it up or you can just upturn your pot, put a bit of compost in the bottom, put the plant back and then you've actually got it raised a little and it's got its shoulders above the outside of the pot and that works well. But having a range of sizes is also invaluable. We were saying, Polly, it's um, having some nine centimetre plants and even smaller sometimes will help you to avoid needing to take things out of pots and squash them. So some little humble nine centimetre basic fillers will be your best friend and I think you should have some. Yeah. Um, so we heard this morning about um, focus on sustainability. Um, how does that fit with you know what you've been talking about overordering and you know how do you get that balance right? That's a great question. Um, I mean, the nursery that we work with, I knew that anything we didn't use would be sold. So it, it goes back and it goes back in the condition it arrived in. So it's not like we sort of trash them and send them back. Fortunately, I'm working with Form on another show garden in a month. So a lot of what we haven't used and are using at Chelsea will be used again. Those are sort of long flowers. So, but yeah, as you say, and, and I guess what we've talked about before, it's, it's being plant planning, having the plan Bs, it doesn't mean they all come to site, as Chris said, it's, it can be a nightmare having too many plants on site as well, so yeah. it's a balance. I think, yes, that depends on your, your contract with the nursery. Sustainability, this is, I suppose, one of the reasons I'm saying don't believe that the route to Chelsea Gold is getting the biggest plants. It doesn't have to be. Um, you can achieve absolutely exquisite planting with quite modest sizes or a range of sizes. Yes, you need some um, stonking, strong architectural plants, but you can use smaller, smaller pots. And your planting team will love you for that because there is nothing worse than spending hour after hour lifting really heavy pots. You get what we call um, climber's fingers because you've, you've been gripping pots so so long and lifting heavy pots with just your fingers and wrists and so from a sustainability of the human frame point of view <laughs> it's a good idea to have a range of sizes and some lighter lighter pots too yep go ahead um, speaking of sustainability i was wondering about peaks and how many of you have has anyone avoided peaks definitely oh yeah definitely. yeah absolutely i mean it's almost it's a dirty word. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> a given that um, that you're looking for nurseries who are growing peat free, right? I yeah. mean yeah. that's yeah. kind of almost yeah, not even a question anymore. I mean it's I guess the next question is that we hope, you know, in time will will change is have they been grown organically? But you know, that's a whole other conversation and and I suppose it's <laughs> Chris is like <laughs> shuddering. Um, I mean that is the 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 Chelsea challenge. You know, you're you're creating this. Um, you've got somebody at the back who uh, knows all about creating an organic Chelsea garden. But um, you know, you have got that sort of challenge of yeah. 
creating your garden as it was supposed to be created and you know knowing how the plants have been grown so but I think on that angle Jenny I mean sustainability and IPM of the nurseries that you're looking at integrated pest management it is um, nurseries now are trying to move away from waiting for a problem to occur then blasting it with chemicals and that's what I mean about choosing nurseries that are on the ball and are vigilant and have procedures in place because you can reduce your your whole sort of um, well you can increase your green credentials by by using a nursery that is not blasting on a weekly basis um, you shouldn't have to apply chemicals copiously just to get plants to grow well and, it, and it, you know that is the way the RHS are trying to steer us that is the way nurseries of their own volition are generally going so have that conversation and that goes back to the communication doesn't it you, it does. you need those yeah. and you need to ask those questions up front yeah. and and establish that relationship and understanding that this is what you're looking for in a nursery partnership and asking the nursery what are they looking for in a designer partnership I think that's fair to say Yes. Hi, um, so just uh, on from the, uh, talking about the relationship with the nursery, um, just out of interest, are the nursery owners, do they tend to be at Chelsea anyway of their own accord, or is it in terms of that relationship, you know, is, do, um, should we be looking to have our nursery owner Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and actually, it's some of those, I mean, it's the team that's behind the scenes, the team that doesn't end up answering the questions to the public on the garden, who've enabled that garden to happen. Yeah. I mean, nurseries is a huge part of that, and you'll have those incredible relationships, but your build team as well can, yeah, absolutely celebrate them. And I would, I mean, I'm sure you guys would agree you know that's a that's a team approach, and you should definitely build in time mm -hmm. to celebrate that team as that's part of your. Like, yes, and they sort of generally, you know, there. So some nurseries you'll find in the pavilion, and I'm, I guess walk around and, and have a look. But um, many of the the nurseries who plan to be at Chelsea with an exhibit mm. may may love the challenge of additionally growing for a designer as well. Um, but I mean, how, in your experience, are they generally not at Chelsea as an exhibitor? Yeah, I wouldn't say the the ones I'm used to working with are sort of would have a stand at Chelsea because I guess the sort of the gardens are their, their stand, so to speak. But it's so in terms of what you'd find in the Great Pavilion, I, I'd say they're not necessarily people that would grow for an entire show garden. But doesn't mean they wouldn't, as you said, want to contribute. Okay, and, and just yeah. on from that as well. So. Um, I think definitely there's, yeah. there's opportunities, aren't there? I think so. I think if you're working with a nursery that um, also works with other designers, then this is a wonderful opportunity for them. They will be as invested as you in getting a good result. So I would actually add that as a criteria when you're looking for a, a good nursery, that they are invested in, in working with designers. So this whole, this whole world of Chelsea is the, the pinnacle of, of what they're trying to achieve. So they, they will be looking for an opportunity to show their wares off and you could be that opportunity. So 
get them on board and get them excited about your cause. Yes. Sorry, can I just, I want to add something to that because um, I think as designers we get lots of uh, praise and attention which is enjoyable the contractors now get an award and often the people that have really been behind the garden the growers are kind of ignored and i, I really think if this cohort will urge the rhs to acknowledge the plant growers um, that would be a really good thing as a project giving back should be something we make a really important part of next year's show is to give praise where it's due and the designers are really only very small parts, the growers. Um, really I, would, I would definitely Thank you. echo that and you know, from our perspective we try and do everything we can to support Celebrating them is a really cool thing to, to do. Um, and they, as, as Chris said, you know, you might need them again. Yeah, you might, <laughs> yeah, you might need them again. And if yeah. they have a happy experience with you, they will try even harder the next time. I mean, many of the people we grew for, for Chelsea, we did it more than once. And you certainly remember the ones that come and visit, take the time and the trouble and uh, get you involved and that will be to your benefit definitely and it doesn't take a lot does it, it i mean it really doesn't a, um, a thank you um, a social media post that, that focuses on them um, some um, pr support beforehand particularly in that nursery especially if they have a, a nursery that's open to the public some regional pr ahead of time to ensure that that nursery is sort of spotlighted locally, if people are aware that they're involved in Chelsea. These are the sorts of things you can do. And then a bottle of something nice to say thank you at the end of the day, you know, that it, it really is, it can be as simple as that, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and, but going back to your point about um, Chelsea being this opportunity for lots of nurseries to show off their wares, um, it's also good to be aware that there will be plenty of nurseries that you might approach who have absolutely no interest in growing for Chelsea. So that is a, a key mm. question up front. Um, it may be that they can be persuaded if it's a nursery that's supplying plants that you really, really want to use. It may be that you can have a conversation, you can maybe hook them up with another nursery you use who does grow for Chelsea, and they can have you know a bit of a conversation about that. But it's really, really good to know that there'll be plenty of people out there who this isn't their thing, and they don't want it to be their thing because they just don't need the stress. Um, so I think that's... I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. So it may be that you do have, as Polly did, one major grower, but you were seeking out specialist things and adding it, adding to the palette. Um, because it is a big ask. Growing plants to the right condition for Chelsea is a huge amount of work. You are asking far more of that nursery than just grow me some plants. Yeah. It's timing it to be right for the, for the moment that is that special. So, and with um, any of your suppliers, I mean, this just goes beyond nurseries and all, I mean, I'm, you know, as people, managers, you will know this already, but it's always worth knowing what else is happening in that person's life. Everyone's human and everyone, that they're not living and breathing your garden. It's, it's, you know, they have other stresses going on. They all have families, they all have other things. So it's being aware of those and, and being mindful and, and respectful of what everyone else is, you know, got, has yeah. got going on in that particular week.
Can I just say one thing about, we've been talking about um, getting your plants to the show. Doesn't stop there, because that's when you and your team take responsibility for those plants, and that can be quite a full-on moment, can't it, Polly? Because suddenly you're, you've got to manage this enormous arrival of plants. They've all been watered probably twice a day leading up to the show. Suddenly that's part of your responsibilities too. And should be in your scheduling. Should be in your so, scheduling. Uh, well, so that's just a final thing on, a, on that timetable. When did you have your plants delivered to site, you know, in terms of the build schedule? Um, I had them delivered five days before judging. Okay. And, but it's quite a, a short build time for the All About Plants and that, that was quite tight because all of those plants need to be cleaned. So I had, you really can't have enough students there buffing leaves with cloths. Plant devils. fluffers. Yeah, plant fluffers. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of admin to do with those plants before they go into the garden. So give yourself enough time and, and Chris gave some great advice. Don't have it all delivered all at once. Try and get the structural pieces first and then have it. It can be quite overwhelming to be presented with 20 trolleys of plants. And then have to store them around your garden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have very limited space, no matter what size of garden you're building. You know, you have kind of your plot and everyone else has their plot. And so, and Chelsea's really small and the traffic is kind of relentless. Um, so you're having to organize yourself quite carefully. Um, I mean, I think, you know, Chris Beardshaw's build this, this year was sort of insanely organized. You know, he had some all lined up around the edge, but it doesn't always work out like that. But I know that we're, we need to sort of move on to the next session. Are there any final questions before we, before we move on? Yes. Just a quick question. Just because um, obviously it's so much uh, more time consuming for nurseries to grow for a show, how, how do you pay nurseries? How do you, like, give us an idea of how much we should be paying people so that, so that we, we know they've been paid properly for their time? Oh, wow, that's a, that's Sorry, a very that difficult question. I think they'll quote you. Okay. They'll quote yeah. you. You give them the list of plants and you tell them, um, they'll see which ones are going to be in flower. And, you, and generally, nurseries who are growing for shows will have a sort of unit price for a particular pot size. Um, depending on the difficulty of the plant, some things are going, you know, things that you want, your divas are going to probably cost more, not just because they're rarer, but because there is a lot more energy and time required to ensure that they are in prime condition when you get them. So the price will, will vary. Um, but having a few good standard, the matrix plants should be cheaper as well. So you can manage your budget a little bit by having a proportion of good matrix plants. Yes? Um, I think that point on budget is really important. And make sure when you have your budget that you keep yourself a little bit of spare because <laughs> you never know what it's going to happen. <laughs> and what you don't want to do is have all your eggs in one basket. You must have a little bit on the back up so that you can get the all for a few up. Um, in that April moment when you think I've done a woodland garden and we've had a scorchingly hot March. <laughs> so just be mindful of that. And I think just to reiterate Chris's point of visiting your nursery, and I remember I've planted quite a lot of gardens for other designers as well as doing ours. And the thing that was always drummed into me in my first, when I planted my first show garden is, is the designers who know exactly where the plant is in the tunnel that will do well. 
some things will be, you may split your adjersia, for example, and you'll think, I know that in that tunnel in the far corner, they're just a little bit um, smaller, which means I'll put them in a bit of deeper shade. You know your plants really well. You will do the garden, the garden will be there. That's brilliant, Charlotte. Thank you very much. I think that's all we've got time for. So, yeah, we're going to switch to the next session. But thank you very much. And, yeah, we're just going to switch straight over. So, um, and then we'll have a break after the next one. Thank, thank you. you.